and, and training your kids on exactly what they should be doing and how they should be acting in the classroom is super important. Kristen. I'm Hannah. Welcome to Coffee Teach Repeat, the podcast where we talk all things teaching over a cup of coffee. While your coffee is brewing, make sure to tell a friend and follow us on social media at Coffee Teach Repeat Pod. This episode from the Teacher's Lounge is about classroom management. Kristen, what are you drinking? I am drinking a venti coffee uh, from Starbucks, my favorite, and it's got cream and stevia in it. And it's delicious. What are you drinking, Hannah? So we are doing a, not marathon, recording session, but we're doing some double duty recording today. So I had a Pepsi, but if you can hear, Mm -hmm. there's not a lot left in it. So there's that. Bummer. So I'm just going to assume that at some point you're just going to get up and get another drink. Probably. Yeah, I love it. Uh. Let's talk about classroom management. Hannah, what are some things that you were told that make great classroom management? And and then tell us if they work for you or not. Like something that you were like, oh, I saw that on Instagram. It's super cute. Let me try it. Or something that you were told by a mentor or other teachers in your school or anything. What are you told? What were you told that was good classroom management? So my first year of teaching, my school district paid for me to go to a classroom management, like, seminar. Wow. And it was uh, put on by one of the local superintendents. And he's absolutely amazing. If you want to work in his district, you can't because no one ever leaves. Wow. And, yeah, it's pretty great. And so he's just really great. He's I feel like he's probably former military. He's got that kind of vibe, mm-hmm. you know? And I could be totally wrong. I have no <laughs> clue what he did, if he did anything other than be an educator. But anyway, he gave so many different classroom management ideas. And one of the things that he talked about was greeting your kids at the door and saying their name. And this is something you've integrated into your Google Meets. Yeah. You say every single one of your kids' names as they walk in, walk in, air quotes. (laughs) And so that, to me, was the most meaningful thing I took away from that seminar. He taught so many different things. For me, I am not a big, elaborate, put-all-the-things-together kind of person, And he gave so many simple things that I've just built into my classroom that I can't even tell you what they are. Like, I know that I walked out of there a much better teacher than when I walked in, but I can't even identify and say these are the things that I learned there other than I do remember that. I also remember being there with some other teachers from my district and being slightly concerned for their classrooms from the stories that they told. Oh, no. But that's another story for another day. Mm -hmm. What about you, Kristen? So I remember coming in and just not having a clue. Uh, I, I mean, there's things they tell you in school. And then I was starting to get into the social media aspect of teaching and trying to figure out what other people were doing or what people in my building were doing. And one of the biggest recommendations was 
you know, table groups, if you have kids in table groups, which I absolutely love having kids in table groups, uh, collaboration is one of the biggest things that I think kids need in, in the classroom, in learning, in, you know, all, all things. Collaboration is, is a big stepping stone to, you know, collaborating with your classmates is a stepping stone to collaborating with your colleagues when you're in a job. You always have to work with other people, regardless of if you like it or not you know, you have to learn to work with others. So uh, the first couple years I started, I, I tried doing table groups, you know, you, you buy the, or you find the cute things online and you print it out and it's just like table one and you give table points for the best table groups. And I think as a first year teacher or a new teacher, you need concrete actual things to do like that in order to really understand the dynamics of classrooms, of kids, of how things work and expectations and how to physically, you know, show kids the fruits of their, you know, behavior. So (laughs) I, uh, I, I did table groups. I've done, you know, uh, what was that reward basket, like a treasure box where if kids are get enough points, they get a treasure box or if they, you know, it's, it's, it all had to do with tracking things. So if it's a checklist, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like physically tracking. And as you all know, listeners, Hannah and I are sevens and tracking is just not something that happens well for us. Uh, I always start, I write something down. I, I don't know. I, I, I really want to try to do it. I always have good intentions, but I never end up following through for very long. So when you are first starting out and you are not sure what to do, I think showing kids with a tracker of some sort is, is always helpful so that they know they're getting that immediate feedback like I'm doing the right thing. Versus now, which is a little bit different, but I think, you know, tracking table groups is great. Uh, Showing them, oh my gosh, I guess (laughs) in the very beginning of school every year, I think it's really important to show kids, look, I care about you, but I am in charge of you. And in order for us to have a good time this year, you have to understand what the expectations are for you. So every year in the beginning of the year, I always start out with, you know, I always be, I'm I'm a little bit tougher than I would be later on in the year. So I start out, it takes me maybe, I don't know, a week to learn everybody's names. Like Hannah said, I try to say their names coming in. Uh, We, we do this really fun thing where we go visit their actual houses. There's Hannah's Pepsi. <laughs> and I actually switched <gasps> San Pellegrino. Oh, limoncello flavor? Yes. Oh, so good. That's one Lemonata. of the best ones. Oh, lemonada. Right. Uh so I start we we go into their houses. It's called Welcome Walk. It's one of my favorite things about this school is we get the class list and then we go to their houses and deliver like a welcome bag with a list of things to do and whatever. Um That's supplies so to bring. Oh, it's amazing. And the kids are always so excited. My husband went my first year and he said, it's like Disneyland. It's like the kids are figuring out they're going to Disneyland. They are so excited when they meet the teacher. And even now, so I've been there for my eighth year. 
they know me. I mean, we're in the same house or they've seen me around or like I'm, you know, I'm an anticipated like teacher. That's really exciting for me. So anyway, to to start the year off, I'm extra strict in the hallway, especially. So, you know, okay, we have to be quiet when we line up and we're not going to leave until we're quiet. And then I just wait, I wait until we're quiet. Or the if one person makes noise in the hallway, we, we turn the entirety of the line around and we start again. Like, this is how we were supposed to act in the hallway. This is what it's going to be. Day one, if you were going to talk, the entire class turns around and we're going to walk this until you are quiet. And that's why we're leaving 10 minutes early to go to specials because you are going to, you know, this is what I need from you. And if I let up on the first day, that is me telling you that I am going to say one thing and do something else. Kids, all ages, adults, anyone, everybody is going to test the limits, right? Mm-hmm. And it's important to, just like I have to do with my four-year-old, <laughs> I have to stand firm with what I want for them. And it's not because I'm mean. It's because if I don't stand firm now, you know that I am. you were going to be able to walk over me and do whatever you want. And so we have to have, I mean, we have to have limitations, expectations, what have you. So I think you know, early on, it's important to be firm. You don't have to do it in a mean way. I don't ever say like, oh, so-and-so in the back of the line was talking and we are turning around. Like, I'm just very, okay, so we're talking and we're going to turn around and start it again. And you just, you very matter-of-factly, this is what's going to happen. This and, and the expectations that I set for you are here. And this is what you're going to do. And I think that's the difference between what you're told like, oh, you should do, you should track their behavior and give them physical rewards and what you actually do. Like what, what I have morphed to is a lot different from what I was initially told or what I thought was right. So what do you actually do now that makes a difference and that you think is successful in your classroom management, Hannah? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is those relationships like you were talking about. Them seeing when you're disappointed, even when you only have your eyes to convey that disappointment, man, that really hits them. Yes. And the look. It's not like I'm doing it to make them feel bad. It's that I'm truly disappointed that they can't get their acts together. That week before Christmas, man, was rough. (laughs) I, at one point, literally put my head on the desk because I was like, I know this is going to work. And so I put my head on my desk like this. (laughs) And I just waited. And in about 10 seconds, you hear a kid go, she's mad, guys. (laughs) You got to be quiet. (laughs) And it worked. And, you know, you just got to think, you know, do I do I use that often? No, I've used it twice. Yeah. And so it's knowing what is effective and knowing when to use it. Because if I put my head on my desk every time they were being kind of loud, that wouldn't have the same impact as <laughs> they've lost their minds. They don't know what to do. I'm going to show them that they need to reset by resetting myself. Right. I think that's super important. And I think you had actually mentioned it is building relationships is, you know, I start the first month. It takes a mo- two months, th- sometimes three months into the beginning of the school year to really get to know your kids and really have them <clears throat> be comfortable enough to share with you. Some kids are just like, hey, you're great. I'm going to share with you. You're my teacher. Like, let's be best friends right now. Other kids, mm-hmm. it takes a while to get to know them. 
And the hardest ones or the what well, the the relationships that are the hardest to build and take the most time in the beginning end up being the most rewarding. And I know this isn't about building relationships, but that has so much to do with your classroom management. You have to find the balance of letting your kids in, but also letting them know, I am not your friend. I am Mm -hmm. your teacher. I have to set Mm -hmm. these boundaries. I have to let you know when you're doing something that is not okay. And that's, that's, you know, gosh, I think the kids thrive in that structure and not just being allowed to do whatever. And it's, you know, it's really hard as a new teacher because you want them to like you, but they will like you when you give them boundaries, kind of like your parents Mm -hmm. when you were younger or you with your children or whatever, you have to set the boundaries and then stick with it. Otherwise, they know they're in charge and not you. And it's just a fine line of like, I'm not trying to create like a, you know, what's that word? Like society. I don't want kids to be like, okay, you have to do exactly what I say all the time. But what I do now is I say, okay, this is the expectation I set for you up here. That's it. I'm not going to give you table points. I'm not going to, you know, give you can. Well, okay. Candy is a huge classroom management win. Um, But I'm not going to do that on a consistent basis because this up here is the expectation I set for you and that's it. This is what I want. I am going to give you up front the freedom that you want. I'm going to let you sit wherever you want every single day. But if you are going to, you know, do something that disrupts your classmates or you can't handle sitting in that seat or you can't handle sitting where you're sitting. I'm going to move you. That's it. Like I'm not going to make a fuss over it. I'm just going to stop what I'm doing. Say, "Hey, John, John John Smith, you know." <laughs> Which is anyway, uh, "Hey, John, like go get a different chair. That one's not working for you." And then I keep going. I'm not going to, you know, I'm I'm not going to let you keep doing that and thinking that you're like, oh, "I'm getting away with it." I'm going to stop what I'm doing. Let you know that what you're doing is not okay, and then move on. I'm not going to stay stand there and stare at you and make you feel bad, but you need a moment of like, oh, she sees me. I'm going to stop. I'm going to make a better decision. And I think the first couple months are really hard because you're just, especially in fifth grade, I think I can be a little bit more matter-of-fact with kids, and and they know like, okay, she means business. She's not. I'm not trying to call kids out and make them feel bad. Yeah, you've been in fifth grade. You can just be like, hey, I need you to stop doing that. And then you just yeah. move on. Right? Yeah. And and if you set the expectations for them high from day one, they rise to them. I feel like kids rise to the expectations you set for them. If you're like, oh, this is a rambunctious group. I heard about this group. I'm going to just set the expectation like middle grade, middle, middle of the line and like hope that maybe they'll they're probably stay that. there. That's where they're going to be. And they're going to walk all over you. And it's, it's. For me, I just, gosh, this was such a hard episode. And I know I'm talking a lot because it's coming to me, but there's not, what do you even, like, how do you tell people what to do for this, Hannah? How do you? Well, another thing that I've kind of built, and I really started this a little bit last year, but especially this year with my kids having some of 
the more difficult home lives is incorporating the fact that coming to talk to Miss Sawyers in the hall is just a time for you to talk to her in private. It's not a time for her to get onto you. It's not a time where you're necessarily in trouble. It's just a time where, hey, I'm noticing things aren't quite right. Let's chat. Let's see what's going on. And I even have kids request, hey, can we go talk in the hallway? Because they don't want to talk in front of their classmates. And because of my classroom management, I know I can step in in the hallway and talk to a kid without worrying about what's happening in my classroom. They know how to act. They know what to do. They know what, how to stay on task. And I think that's a huge part of classroom management as well is making sure that you give your kids things to do. If they are out of work, you need to give them their next step. Like if a kid doesn't have anything to do, of course they're going to get in trouble. Of course they're going to act out. Of course they're going to do whatever distracting thing they can do for the other kid. But if you redirect them and make sure that they have a task constantly, they're going to be good. Sounds like a, that's not a term I want to use, but they're, they're going to be less likely to cause a disturbance in your classroom because they know what they're supposed to be doing they know the expectation oh yes it, it all goes back to expectations so something that you just said reminded me this is going to sound funny as well but you have to train your kids on routine so the first couple weeks of school in order to create the classroom manage well to, to manage your classroom to create the behavior that you want you have to train them so you say, okay, this is what we do. This is, you know, here's the schedule. I put the schedule in the front so they know. They're not asking me what's going on. They're not like, oh, what time is it? Like, here's the clock. Everything's in the front. But training them on, if I have to step out, what are you doing? You are, and and, and honestly, I don't even say that. I just kind of go, at what time of day are you supposed to be doing something? Or if I say, okay, now you're independently working, that's what you're doing. When you're done, what do you do? Do you have a board? There's some people have a board that says, like, I'm done. What can I do? And that works really well for the younger kids because they truly just need something visual for them to know what to do next. But for my kids, it's like always unfinished work. And I, I will write this up at the beginning of the year. What do I do when I'm done? Number one, unfinished work. Number two, read a book. Number three, you know, like, <laughs> here's some things you, you can do. What's not on this list is talk to your friends or <laughs> play a game or whatever it is. And and training your kids on exactly what they should be doing and how they should be acting in the classroom is super important. If uh what I do a lot of the time because I don't have like assigned seats, I don't have like a table that's my work table, like my small group table. What I do is I identify the kids that I know need help in a certain subject. And I go place myself at that table. And I say, hey, uh, now we're having independent, or it's work time, you're working on your independent work, worksheets, which seems like a weird thing of the past for me. (laughs) Because, you know, uh, and then I say, if you would like help, I want you to come to me. So I am working with the kid who I know needs help. But other kids now feel comfortable to come to me to ask for help because that's what I want in kids. I want to empower them to make that decision for themselves. If you need help, don't sit in the back of the room and go, oh, I don't know what to do. Come to me. 
You're making that decision to get help. It doesn't mean that you're dumb. It doesn't mean that you, mm-hmm. you know, it just means you don't understand it right now, which is exactly what, you, you know, not, if you knew everything, what's the point of school, right? <laughs> that was a big thing that I would talk to parents about in fifth grade was how I wanted their kid to start advocating for themselves. And and especially in Oklahoma, where our class sizes, the older they get, the bigger their class sizes get. Same here. And so in my classroom, because they were in, I was in a closet, I only had 22. So yes, I was able to focus on their kid a lot more than normal because they were in a small classroom environment. Well, when they get to the middle school, it's 26 or 27. And then when they get to high school, it could be 32 to 35. Mm-hmm. Like those class size numbers are going to impact the quality of their education if they don't know how to advocate for themselves and ask questions because the teacher just is not going to have the same amount of time to evaluate and stay on top of where each individual kid is because they're managing a caseload of 150, 175. 200 kids yeah my brother who teaches freshman math uh and had because he's a coach he had two less sections of kids than i did had more kids than i did wow who taught fifth grade yeah i had i want to say i had 135 my last year teaching fifth grade and he had one i want to say he had 160 and he had two less sections. <laughs> now, obviously, this year's different yeah. because of COVID. But, and I'm only teaching 17 right now. So, he obviously has more. <laughs> but, you know, that's a big difference between the middle school, intermediate level, and high school, even at the freshman level. Mm-hmm. I think something as well that helps with classroom management is teaching kids to advocate for themselves. Especially the older grades you know, fifth grade, that's what I know, but teaching them that you are in charge of your own learning. If you want to do better, you have to ask for help. If you don't understand something and you just muddle your way through and turn it in, then you know the score you're going to get because you didn't understand and you didn't speak up. So it, 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 when you empower kids to come ask for help and use you as a support, that helps them keep everyone around them in line, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because if, if, if I'm a kid that I'm like, you know, I, I think I get it. I'm going to sit and I'm going to work. If the people around me are acting a fool, that doesn't help me. So I either empower them to get up and move because when it's independent work time in my classroom, you go wherever the heck you want. You want to go sit on the floor? Great. You want to go sit at that open table over there? Great. You want to go stand in the corner? And because you like standing, I don't care. Go work where you work best. And if the people around you are bothering you, you either you got to speak up and you got to tell them to shut it in a nice way (laughs) or go move. You work where you work best. And when you feel empowered to do that and ask for help and work where you want to work, the whole room runs better. And everyone knows that. And I had kids who were notoriously, you know, behavior problems. They always put, I always have like one or two kids that, I know coming in ahead of time. I already know them. I know them because they have a reputation in the school. And you know what? They thrive in my room because they, I treat them. I, I want to say like an adult. I treat my fifth graders like adults. And I, you know, adults that I'm in charge of. 
That sounds funny. Uh, but I don't treat them like babies. I treat them mm-hmm. as if they are old enough. They're, you are 10 and 11 years old. You're old enough to make your own decisions. And this is what I want. If you rise to the expectations that I have for you, we can do fun things. But if you don't, then we can't. And that is that is one of the biggest motivators. It's an intrinsic motivator for them. Right? I'll give them candy sometimes. You guys were amazing this week. And I didn't have to remind you to be amazing. Here's some candy. It's it's not a it's not like a known thing, like, oh, if I get a certain amount of table points, I'm gonna get some candy at the end of the week. If that works for you, great. It does not work for me. I cannot keep up with it. The kids in, end up reminding me and I forget and I'm like, eh. But if they are intrinsically motivated, if they are internally motivated to do something and to be better, to do, you know, to get that reward of doing something fun, we're still learning. But like today we're doing an escape room and the escape room is based on the learning that we just did in science. Or I have glow day and everything is, the lights are turned off. And in order for us to get to that point, I tell them, you have to act right. I can't be reminding everybody all day long on how to act. You have to act right. And that's why we can do fun things. And if you aren't acting right, we can't do fun things. That's just it. It's all about expectations. I mean, yeah. really. It, it, that's it. Yeah. That's the, the big one. So I'm so glad you joined us this week. I hope you come back. Yes. Don't forget to bring a friend next time. Cheers. Cheers.